Welcome back to Basecamp, part of the equipping ministry of the Trails Church in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Today we're picking back up on our parenthood study. And in this particular episode, uh, we're going to define a biblical and therefore good form of corrective discipline, continuing our episode from last week on what to do when little hearts refuse to listen and obey. And as a disclaimer, most of the Basecamp podcasts that we record have been using a structure given from Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, D.C. They've graciously given churches like ours uh, the ability to use some of this material to help disciple and equip their churches. And so along the way, we've been filling in some of the muscle upon that structure, the bones of what we get from this ministry uh, in, in the States. But we've been putting a lot of the, the muscle uh, onto it and really applying it for us as a local church, maybe ways that we would say things or do things. Today, however, I'm trying to stick more to the original manuscript, almost exactly, as the topic for today is corrective discipline. And so this topic, especially among Christians, uh, well, really everyone uh, in Canada, is, is a little dicey. And the laws in our country are a bit more strict on loving and corrective discipline by parents than, oh, you know, in the States where this is all from. And so in the words of the gospel writer Mark, let the parents understand, uh, or let the reader understand, is technically what Mark says. But if you hear anything that you hate in this uh, podcast, blame the Americans. And if you'd like to know my thoughts personally or some of the other thoughts of our pastors, we can connect and I would love to help you as parents think through this incredibly important topic. So with no further ado, let's dive in. Now, as we're beginning today, it's important to remember some of the things that we've talked about so far in this parenthood episode course. Right. So, so, so for example, we've worked really hard to impress the importance of the heart, right? Not just external behavioral changes. In this, we we strive to image God in our parenting, and God cares about the hearts of the parents as well in correcting their kids, just as much as He cares about the hearts of the kids who are being corrected. Thus, if we work only to conform behavior, we miss what matters most to God: the attitude of the heart. And consequently, we risk confusing the gospel. You'll see what we mean as we continue to follow this manuscript. But as we begin today's discussion and as we engage in formative discipline and training with our own children, it's important to note the many different forms of communication we use to reach our children's hearts. As we talked about, our goal in ages 1 to 5 is primarily to teach our children to be little people under authority. And then in ages 6 to 12, we teach them godly character. From there, we, we begin kind of the slow shift in pastoring and shepherding the hearts of our children to prepare them for the real world, right? 12 to 18, as we give them more and more choices and leeway, so they begin to make choices and errors in the safety of our own homes before they're out in the real world as 18-year-olds. And in so doing, our, our aim as parents is to reach their hearts and lead our children to Jesus, their true authority, and the Holy Spirit who can give them whole new characters. But as we saw in last week's episode, none of this is to suggest that God doesn't care about behavior or that we shouldn't address our children's behavior. So as we mentioned in this podcast, we're going to cover the topic of biblical corrective discipline, 
to squarely address the negative behavior in our children that we wish to correct and how to do so, while still serving our goal, our main goal, of training the heart. You see, we have, we have to have the, the proper context to address behavior. That as loving parents seeking to image God, we are those who are the most concerned about our kids' hearts. And, and we want our kids' hearts to grow to love, trust, and believe upon Jesus. And all of our actions are geared specifically towards that. So, to help us think more biblically, we're going to consider three key notions and then a few common questions. So, notion number one, the nature of our children shows their need for correction and the wisdom that it imparts. So to begin some of our conversations, to understand God's plan, we need to hear what God says about the nature of our kids, right? If children are born ethically and morally good, or even neutral, as our society contends, then they do not need correction, they need direction, right? They do not need discipline, they just need instruction. But... Is their most basic problem a lack of information? Are, are all the problems just gone once they get through education? <laughs> of course not. You see, children are not born morally or ethically good or neutral, but rather as rebels who rebel, as sinners who sin. Thus, from birth and by nature, our children are morally and ethically bent and broken towards a disposition of worshiping, not God, but rather the prince of the power of the air, Satan himself, as we see in Ephesians chapter 2. And, and, and this isn't just something we see in Ephesians. This, this thread runs throughout the Bible as we see that all of our hearts are, as Jeremiah 17, 9 says, deceitful and desperately wicked. And all of that is from birth and by nature. And, and all of that is the doctrine of human depravity, that we're born depraved. And this depravity touches every jot and tittle of who we are. Our sexuality, our minds, our will, our intellect, our bodies, all of these things. There's, there's not a bit of us that is not touched by this brokenness. And so the child's problem is not primarily an information deficit. No, his, his problem, her problem, is that they are born sinners. And parents are told in Proverbs twenty two fifteen how we ought to help in this corrective discipline and discipleship of our children. It says... Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. And as, as Christians who understand that Proverbs is given by God that we may learn the way of wisdom and the way of folly, right? that's, that's the whole book of, of Proverbs. There's lady wisdom, follow and listen to lady wisdom. There's lady folly, don't go to her, run away from lady folly, <laughs> right? Wisdom and folly are personified as, as women, lady wisdom to be trusted, lady folly to run away from. So it, it's our job as Christian parents to submit, therefore, to God's clear wisdom as true and to believe it as true, even if our culture at large dismisses God's wisdom. So what about you? As you look at Proverbs twenty two fifteen. What do you do with this verse? We, we can redefine it. We can reject it. It was just for these people at this specific time and it has nothing to do with us. We, we can ignore it. But I hope we would do none of those things, lest we follow 
Lady Folly, which we don't want to do. And as, as we noted, when this passage speaks of folly, it's not talking just mere childishness. Right? I mean, I mean children spill milk. They pull things apart without knowing things can come apart. They run over mommy's toes without knowing how wide the tricycle is. Right? I mean, we don't discipline children for childishness, for being children, or, or even for immaturity. No, instead, Proverbs relates folly or foolishness to the person who has no fear of God. That is a really important component here. Proverbs relates folly or foolishness to the person who has no fear of God. He will not hear reproof. The fool will not submit to authority. He mocks God and lacks wisdom, which wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Right? Psalm 14.1 says, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The fool, therefore, lives out of the immediacy of all of his lusts, cravings, expectations, hope, and fears. And as parents, it's our job to bear this rod of correction in our child's lives, to employ this means of corrective discipline as we need to in order to help our children turn away from folly and towards wisdom, all with the aim of asking this really important question. Will our child live under the authority of God and therefore under the authority of their parents? Or will the child live under their own authority, driven by her wants and passions, by his desires and longings? And, and for those of you who don't have children, you're listening along to this podcast, curious about these things within the life of parents, trust this, this statement to be true. Children in their natural state have hearts of folly. They resist correction. And if a parent allows this attitude to take root and grow throughout the child's development and into teen years, we would have a childlike person trapped in an adult-sized body that will submit to no one, no rule, no authority, certainly not to God apart from God's saving intervention and new instruction from Scripture. In essence, what we would have is a fool living a foolish life and causing folly and suffering in the lives of everyone around them. Just read Proverbs and see how Lady Folly destroys those who follow her. So parents are to be those who are called to bear this rod of correction, to look at our children and to help correct these behaviors and these things that we see in their lives that are leading towards folly and correct that into uh, into Lady Wisdom. That's, that's, what, that's what we hope to do as parents. And then secondly, the notion number two is this, this corrective desire that we have is a key, key tool for driving out foolishness. So biblically speaking, God has ordained this corrective discipline for this exact condition. Biblical discipline drives foolishness from the heart of a child. That, that's its aim, right? Psalm 14.1, right? The, the younger child who's refusing to be under authority is in a place of grave danger. That, right, the, the fool said in his heart, there is no God. Now consider this, Proverbs 23, 13, and 14. This is God's word. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from death. Now, from this, we're not saying you should get a rod and hit a child. This, this is not what we're saying. But 
intentionally here, what is this corrective discipline leading towards? Leading towards saving a soul from death. So the way by which we have corrective discipline that leads to saving our kids' souls from death. (laughs) And I think as parents, we can forget that a lack of discipline doesn't lead to our child's flourishing. Rather, it leads towards spiritual death. Thus, our task as parents is to help rescue our children from following Lady Folly instead to follow Lady Wisdom. And and timely and controlled use of corrective discipline is one of the God-ordained tools meant to help rescue our children from danger. And again, this rescue will not happen with mere education, and it will not occur if, if you simply wait it out. Now, all new parents of tiny little humans often ask, well, don't all kids just eventually learn to obey on their own without any corrective discipline whatsoever at all? (laughs) To which every seasoned parent says emphatically, no. (laughs) But, But it's not only our own experience that says this. We also read about it in Proverbs, right? Proverbs 29, verse 15 and verse 17. The rod of correction imparts wisdom. But a child left to himself disgraces his mother. And discipline your son and he will give you peace. He will bring delight to your soul. Now, again, a short caveat. It's, it's vitally important we remember that context matters. This, this vocabulary, for example, use of the rod or corrective discipline is not a matter of a fed-up parent venting their wrath upon a small, helpless child. No. That is not what we're saying at all. That is not how we image God in our child's lives. And in fact, if we do something like that, if we are a fed-up parent venting wrath on a child, what we're actually doing is lying about the character and nature of God. We, we lie about God. If that's the kind of discipline that we undertake with our children, and we ought to stop. And that might be what, what some of us have in our minds when we think of correcting children, right? An exasperated parent who resorts to physical violence to dominate their child into submission. But dear friends, that is not Christian discipline. It is pagan discipline. And we are not pagans. No, we're not fools. No, rather the Christians striving to employ these means of God's grace in using corrective measures signifies a faithful parent humbly recognizing that our child is in a dangerous state and we are lovingly employing a God-given remedy, corrective means into their life. And, and that's the difference. See, the, the issue is, is the child's need to be rescued from death. The death that results from rebellion that is left unchallenged and uncorrected in the heart of a child. But you might be wondering, well, how does corrective discipline help rescue? And here, Proverbs 29.15, the rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother. So, God says, the rod of correction rescues by imparting wisdom. Imparting wisdom. Thus, the child who is not submitting to parental authority is acting foolishly. He or she is rejecting the jurisdiction of God and the God-given authorities in his or her life, as our children desire to live their life for the immediate gratification of their wants and desires. He is choosing his own. She is choosing her own rule over God's rule. And Scripture makes it clear that this leads to death, and it is the height of foolishness. 
Thus, the rod of correction, corrective measures, bring wisdom to the child by firstly providing an immediate demonstration of the foolishness of rebellion, and secondly by imparting to the child a proper fear of punishment. And both of these things are incredibly important, not only for our, our children, their spiritual lives, but also for their lives in society. They need to learn in life there are consequences for foolish rebellion, and spiritually there are consequences for foolish rebellion. See, properly administered biblical discipline teaches the child that rebellion yields only trouble, and it humbles the heart of the child, bringing their hearts back under parental instruction and causing them to walk in a proper and godly fear of their parents. Something that we're taught in First Peter, right? It's something that we walk in the fear of God in regards to the Lord. And we learn that in our home, firstly. It's in the home where we begin to learn of godly, corrective father and mother and live in light of our father's love and, and discipline, in light of our mother's love and discipline. Thus, in the home, we are set up for a life of godly fear and obedience. And apart from these things, we grow up deficient, not without hope, but struggling to understand a father that loves us so dearly that he will correct unholy and foolish behaviors in appropriate ways that leads us to repentance. Interestingly, Hebrews 12.11 puts it this way, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. <laughs> There's wisdom here. And, again, what we're about to talk about now in this part of the podcast is directly manuscript of what is in the States. Again, if you want to know how this might apply into the lives of me personally or the lives of our other pastors, we would love to discuss that with you uh, outside of this podcast. Uh, but this is exactly what they talk about, so I'm literally going to read word for word. So this is what they say. Talking about the rod, the disciplinary rod of, uh, of discipline that the Lord uses uh, through our parents. They write, the rod is apparent in faith toward God and faithfulness towards his or her children, undertaking the responsibility of careful, timely, measured, and controlled use of degrees of physical punishment to underscore the importance of obeying God, thus rescuing the child, the goal of all of this, rescuing the child from continuing in his foolishness until death. And we're going to go through that definition one step at a time. So it's a parental exercise. So in this definition, the rod is not a physical rod, but, it, but rather the parent themselves. The Bible does not grant permission to all adults either to engage in the use of corrective measures towards anyone indiscriminately, towards any children or anyone else's children other than their own children. In Scripture, uh, this corrective disciplinary measures are always and only found in the context of a parent-child relationship because biblical discipline is always in the context of parental love, care, and concern. So firstly, it is a parental exercise, your own children. Then it is an act of faith. God has mandated the use of the rod of correction in our children's lives. Thus, the parent obeys not because they perfectly understand how it works or, or because they're perfectly at peace with the biblical requirement, but because God has commanded it and promised it is useful and beneficial for the child. Thus, employing the rod of discipline is an expression of confidence in God's wisdom and trustworthiness of his counsel 
not our own. Thirdly, then, it is an act of faithfulness. Correction is an expression of love and commitment to your child, recognizing that in discipline there is hope. Not only that, but, but you are actively refusing to be a willing participant to your child's spiritual death. Your shepherding heart wants to warn them and help them see the consequences for their foolishness and see the immediate impact so that they might walk in holiness and in the way of wisdom. Fourthly, it is a responsibility. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but using corrective measures is the parent determining to obey God's word. And it's a responsibility given to parents. <laughs> the parent, therefore, is God's representative, undertaking on God's behalf what God has called them to do. There are many biblical figures who refused the responsibility of God's commands, and many priests in the Old Testament that didn't correctly punish their children. And because of their faithlessness to this responsibility, God's people were led astray into all manners of sinfulness. And not only that, but it's helpful to remember that our children do not ultimately belong to us. They're a gift from God. He loves them more than we ever will. They are His to love, nurture, teach, and correct according to His will. And if He explains in His Word that corrective measures are helpful, then it's our responsibility to employ those means as they are needed. Thus, as we commonly call it, uh, any kind of corrective measures like that is, is all the careful, timely, measured, and controlled use of physical punishment for the joy of our children, their ultimate joy in growing away from foolishness and in the direction of holiness and wisdom. Thus, any, any measures of that is never a venting of parental anger. It is not what the parent does out of frustration. No, as we mentioned, that is the furthest thing possible from God's intention in this command. And we speak wrongly of the character and nature of God if we, if we do these corrective measures in those kinds of ways. See, the godly parent knows the proper measure of the severity for the particular child at the particular time, right? Whether, whether you're, you're helping correct your, you know, 16-month-old who just looks at you and defiantly throws a Cheerio at you, or if you're looking at your 6-year-old who pretends to not listen to you or talks back to you, screaming at you that you are wrong on something. <laughs> Those are different instances, and different corrective measures are used in the lives of our children in those different times, as they ought to be. And then the last notion we wanted to discuss in this episode is the whole intention of corrective discipline is really a rescue mission. We've been talking about that throughout this episode so far, but it really is a rescue mission for our children. See, the child who needs discipline has become distanced from her parents through disobedience. So, so the application of this is designed to rescue the child from continuing in foolishness and to restore peace between the parent and the child and to the home. Ephesians 6, 1-2 says that obeying parents is the first of the commandments with a promise. Namely, it'll go well with a child who obeys. They will enjoy a long life. But a child who disobeys has removed himself from this promise, from, from having long life. Those children who are not corrected are those who go on to live lives of radical disobedience to God and His ways, walking in folly and leading to, potentially, a shorter life on earth. But more seriously, the wrath of God upon them for all of eternity. And strangely, in God's design, parents help teach our kid about God, His ways, forgiveness, grace, and consequences to sinfulness from these early days by using corrective discipline. Thus, by God's grace... These corrective disciplinary methods 
return the child to the circle of life, right? A good life here upon the earth, but, but more than that, eternal life in the one to come. So corrective discipline is part of the glorious rescue mission of God that he calls parents into. And while it's common in our culture for us to hear people say things like, oh no, I love my children too much to correct them or to discipline them in any way. Interestingly, the Bible says, he who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Proverbs 13, 24. So, do you love your children? Then, then what does Proverbs 13, 24 explain to us are the means by which God has given us to help correct our children? But let's say you're tracking with all of this so far. You understand the biblical need and directive. You, you might be understanding uh, all of this. You might be wondering, well, when do I employ these corrective measures with my children and how do I do this? Many of us don't grow up in godly households that modeled this well for us at all, and we don't want to follow God unfaithfully. No, we, we want to faithfully follow God's word. We want, we want life for our children, not spiritual death, and, and, and we want them to learn about God and the gospel from us, even when they're in these corrective measures. And, and so some might be wondering, well, when do I and how do I and what does this look like? And these conversations are wonderful to have in person uh, with, with some other members of our church, uh, and, and I would encourage you to do so. And so we're not going to give time in this podcast to do so, not only because of uh, potential bizarre things here in Canada, uh, but also uh, more intentionally than that is because we don't want to give advice into you and your family and things that may or may not be helpful. Rather, we would love for this to be the start of a conversation. And so if you're listening to this podcast and, and you're curious about some of those things, even with your own children, then reach out to us. Reach out to one another. Begin asking asking one another. Share this, this episode with, with some other brothers or sisters and, and begin thinking through when do we begin disciplining our children and, and how would we begin doing that? And this is a conversation I love to have. In my home, anytime there is any sort of discipline with my children, we strive to make it an environment that is friendly and loving and grace-filled and gospel-proclaiming, and yet also at the same time really reveals the heart of God and how He feels about our sinfulness and our brokenness. And honestly, I want my children to walk in the path of wisdom and not of folly. I want my, my children to know they are safe, that there are firm boundaries, and that my house is a place of order where they can feel comfortable and, and know where the boundaries are, know how to, how to flourish within them. And so uh, that'll be all that we'll say about that in this moment, though there is many more things that we could say. Uh, and uh, in many ways this might apply. But again, one of the joys of having a church community is we can ask these questions and grow together, especially by connecting with some other godly parents and processing through these things. And I encourage you to do so. But in concluding this episode, I want to close by reminding us of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. It, it, see, it says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So brothers and sisters, let us seek this kind of harvest of righteousness in our own lives 
as God disciplines us, trusting in his good, fatherly purposes. And let's not deprive our children of experiencing the same kind of harvest of righteousness in their own lives. So thanks for tuning into this episode of Basecamp. As, as we've talked about these corrective measures in parenting, again, if there's anything you'd like to discuss in these regards or would like further counsel, please reach out and uh, ask one of our pastors. We'd love to connect with you and help you begin to learn how you might shepherd your little church so that it flourishes under your leadership. We hope you have a great Saturday, uh, and we can't wait to gather and process through Exodus chapter 6 on Sunday. Till then. <laughs>